Hey, this is Adi. This is Nagoni. And we are way behind the times. Today we're going to be talking about cities. We're going to be talking about cities from the past. Present. And we're going to be talking about the population of these cities. Um, one thing that we noticed in our research was that cities in the past, the past being from as far as 2500 BC and further, and all the way to the 1900s, have a significantly lower population than cities of today. Cities of today go up to 38 million in terms of population, whereas cities in the past, even all the way up to the 1900s, pretty much peaked at 1 million people. We saw the disparity and we were wondering why, and so we decided to research it. And we came up with some pretty interesting results, didn't we, Eddie? Yeah, we did. We did come up with three theories, which we're going to talk in detail in our podcast. And we're also going to mention a lot about the simple examples of cities that we are uh, that have gone through civilizations and population decrees. Yeah, and trauma. and trauma. And we can. T- we're also going to talk about the limitations of population, right? And why they couldn't expand further. We're going to be talking about immigration. We're going to be talking about life expectancy. There's a lot of things that we're going to be bringing up. And the overarching theme here is going to be what makes a city sustainable and what makes it grow. And I think we'll find some interesting results. We're going to find that people in the past aren't so different than than the people of today. today. Yeah. (laughs) And except we take more baths. (laughs) And and you'll know that uh, we both will agree to most of it, which is surprising. To most of the points that we brought out, we both kind of agreed to everything. So we'll. Let's see what happens. All right. So with that being said, we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Nagoni. My name is Adi. And we're way behind the times. We're a couple of history enthusiasts who love to talk history. Indeed, we are. So, Nagoni, in today's world, for a city to sustain and grow, what is required? Well, I know that for me, if I wanted to live in a city, I like cities, first of all. Let's <laughs> preface it by that. Um, it would need to have um, job opportunity. Okay. It would need to have food. Mm-hmm. And it would need to be secure. Okay. What so, about you? Uh, for me, uh, I would I would just have the same thing, whatever you just said, but add up a, a couple of other things as well, like personal security, privacy, they play a huge role right now. Yeah. Of course, uh, you know, uh, the neighborhood that I'm living in, how safe I am. Yeah, exactly. So, so these things play into uh, a, a real big deal in today's world. Um, but have you ever thought, go back in time, if you were born 500 BC or 10,000 BC, were the situations the same? Um, Have you thought about that? I don't know. I think I think government as an overarching principle, like the Canadian government or the American government, these things are like, those also indicate places where I would like to live. And so I used the main government as a baseline, and then mm-hmm. I determined things about the city or the state or province. So, but forget, forget about the government that you're living currently, but just go if back. If I go back 500, 500 years, then government years is still a 
an overarching principle, right? Like who's the who's in charge of wherever I'm at, right? What do they believe in? Like what are their values, right? Like and then I look at the city. Do I like the city? Is there opportunities for work there? These kinds of things, right? Yeah. But all in all, my concerns are relatively similar. Yeah. Uh, do you find the same thing? I do find the same thing. I, I actually agree with you on everything, though. Because in this case, whether you were living 500 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or even living 200 years ago, the most important thing that you would always want is a safe area, food to eat, water to drink, and the place, the area has to be protected and there should be a government with rules. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and so this is actually one of the um, key points of sustaining and growth for a city. You require organization of some kind, which we define as government in modern terms, when you need food, and you also need some kind of military might to provide protection for you. And so mod- modern cities, uh, at least where we live, these they have these kinds of things, and so they sustain the kind of lifestyle that people would want to lead here. Um, having opportunities also helps, right? But people flock to the cities that have less opportunities but have these kinds of things too. That's why we've actually, in our conversations, split up in three parts. One, the child theory, which basically means a tech resource and surplus of food and produce, allowing for more complex social organization? Yeah, the child theory is an interesting one. It's basically saying that technology is what drives city growth. And so every time there's a new technology, like let's say I find out how to produce more eggs with a chicken, that's going to drive city populations to rise because less people need to be farming and providing food. Yes. Right? And the second one would be trade, sorry, excuse me, trade theory. Yeah, and so this one's pretty key too, right? So there's a lot of cities that are, exist just because they're points of trade, yeah. right? Like um, cities on the coast especially are important for this, right? Yeah, boats come in and boats have a harbor, they port there, and things are shipped throughout the country. And so those cities become populous because they're hubs of, uh, of trade. And the hubs of trade create jobs, opportunity, and they create food and lively stock livelihood exactly and then the last but not the least the hydraulic theory this one actually doesn't really fit with modern cities so much as it fits with ancient Ancient cities cities. and it's actually a really interesting one it's saying that irrigation is the cause of city states organizing i think we should go into that a little bit because it's a very interesting one we do and uh so do you know what irrigation is Yes, I do know what irrigation is. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay. So, in this case, when we talk about irrigation and agriculture, people in the past, civilizations, the first initial civilizations in the world, they would set up their camp base close to rivers or bank sites, and uh, the reason for that was excess amount of water, drinking water, and and bathing water and uh, a place to fish for food and on top of that uh, this basically was a change from uh, people who were hunters to people who started turning into vegetarians they started growing their own crops they found out they realized that they could grow their own crops for food 
So they would irrigate their land around the, uh, the, the land around the, the river bank would be very fertile. So it was very good for agriculture. But one of the things that is kind of interesting out of that is that because you need to organize with the people around you for a system of irrigation, it caused city, it caused people to organize, right? And organizing is one of the main, uh, one of the main factors in the formation of a city. And so cities were formed around, <laughs> around rivers because people were organized, right? And organization just brought more people and more people. And eventually it wasn't farmland anymore. It was a full city. And you'll notice a lot of the old cities are actually built around rivers, right? London, built on a river. That was the first time that people stopped migrating and started settling down in in places. And they felt that that was the best place to start living their lives. So it was just, you know, a transition of, in a way, because initially before people were just migrating, moving from one place to another to protect themselves from animals. And... Mm -hmm from other circumstances as well. And when they found places beside rivers, they felt more safer because they had one side where they could protect themselves and uh, uh, get food and water and the other side, they could just basically build a wall to protect themselves from, out, from outside. And that's also really cool because in the past, the same types of things happened, right? The same types of driving forces drove the growth of cities, right? Um, if I lived 500 years ago, I still want to have food. I still want to have some kind of organization in the city. I still want to protection. have protection, right? And so all of these things are still a factor in the past, right? Yeah. It's just that, you know, there's that little hitch of uh, if I lived, you know, a thousand years ago, there's some, uh, some pretty big problems. Um, problems that need to be uh, need to be addressed because they curb the number of people that could exist in a city. Yes, we need to actually mention the life ex expectancy of, the, people. of people back then. You should really understand today's life expectancy is about 80, 85 to 90. But back then, you should realize that the life expectancy was a 45 or 50 tops. I think hardly many people would even lift up to 60 years. So people died really young and due, there were many reasons why people died really young and mainly it's because of uh, the, the technology in the medical field that kind of increased the life expectancy that played a huge role but there were other factors as well for people dying very early like there were constant wars there were it was a prone to natural disasters uh, there was plague, uh, diseases. Like th there was, there was a lot of issues, a lot of reasons that we're going to be talking about for reasons for low life expectancy. But yes, those do. But the low life expectancy at the end of the day, it's going to affect your population, right? Definitely. Um, in a city where people live to the age of forty, you're going to have less people than a city where people live to the age of one hundred. That is true. That is true. Next problem, um, I consider this to be one of the defining defining issues in uh, city population limits, is sanitation. Oh, yes, definitely. I, definitely. I don't think we can understate how big of a deal indoor plumbing is. It seems to be one of those things that's overlooked today, 
but it's not a small thing, especially when you consider the fact that if you didn't have a toilet, if you didn't have an outhouse, right, where are you going to put your waste? Where are you going to get your water from? These things are very, very hard to come by. And in a space that's packed and condensed with millions of people, it becomes a huge problem. I'll state an example, actually. Uh, for cities in the ancient world, which were developed beside a river, they would throw their waste into the river, their dead bodies into the river, and their trash into the river, which basically would pollute the water. And these, this is the river that they use to drink. To drink out of, exactly. So these are pretty important situations that you have to take into consideration because back then they didn't know or understand the concept of drinking clean water. A lot of the times, some of this, like, some of the sewage, right, would be running down the streets. Like, they would literally just dump them onto the streets and they would run down them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, there are some civilizations that were exceptions. And you'll notice that a lot of the civilizations that were exceptions were the ones that ended up doing very well with themselves in terms of population. We've actually already talked about Indus Valley and how the people there had their own sewage system. And somewhere around 2350 BC, which is very impressive. And I don't know how well that did in terms of pot or what the effect was in terms of population. But for other civilizations, such as Mesopotamia, which we're going to be talking about, they have clay pipe sewers. And these people are listed on some of the largest cities at their in their time, which was in the like 400s to I think 2000 BC, 2000 BC. Yeah. area. Ancient Greek civilizations also had clay pipes for sanitization and water supply as well. Um, they also had flush toilets, believe it or not. That but, is amazing. But they probably weren't that complicated or well used. Okay. It's just that they had them. Right. Um, so these things existed. Right. The Roman Empire had indoor plumbing, but their indoor plumbing was a series of aqueducts and they used lead pipes as well for water. But okay. I'm not sure exactly what they used for sewer, sewer complex networks, but they had sewers. Um, they had sewers that they used for disposal of, of waste. Right. Um, Rome, Rome is one of the bigger cities as well. Yeah, and so like these things, and in the medieval medieval era, medieval, right? Yeah. That was when a lot of the unsanitary stuff was happening, right? You would have wastewater runoff in the center of the streets. You'd have open drains. You'd have split streets, one where waste runs and one where like one where water runs. It's disgusting to think about. Yeah, public bathrooms that were not cleaned well every day. So uh, it it was just yeah and. It led to a lot of plagues and diseases that came by during that. There was a reason in the 14th and the 15th century in England, especially, there was something called as a sweating sickness, exactly. which took place and kind of took a lot of. Uh, it, it took a lot of life, especially even the rulers. Uh, I would uh, say that Henry VIII's elder brother died of that sickness, and he himself was infected as well as a child and as a young adult. And he somehow survived because of his immunity. 
but uh, many people died in that area. It, it was a break in the 14th century. Plague and sickness and disease were a crazy. big deal on population control. Yeah. Uh, or pop, not control. <laughs> this wasn't done on yeah. purpose, guys. <laughs> um, but it was a big deal on limits to population size, right? Like uh, there would be plagues, right? Like, I mean, you're throwing your literal waste just on the street. And people are getting sick from it. And not just that. If a person is effect, infected by a disease, they would just go touch random people and they would get infected and it would just start spreading to different people. And that's that's how a lot of population, there was a huge population drop at one point in time due to a disease, which killed almost half the population. And You're Talking about the Black Death? Yeah, the Black Death, exactly. Yeah. Did you hear, um, did you hear that... Uh, the folklore saying that Ring Around the Rosie is based off of uh, off of the Black Death. Yeah. Ring Around the By the, the way, Rosie. next time for, for viewers, if they have children, please don't teach them Ring Around the Roses. It's a very, very dark, dark poem. Song about the Black Death. Ring Around the Rosie, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall, fall down. down. You know how dark that is. It's about people sneezing to death and dying. Yeah. It's not a pleasant, it's, it's not not a pleasant fun, song. It's not a pleasant song at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what are the other limitations <laughs> on city population? So the other one, uh, the other uh, city population limitations for uh, city population could even be uh, uh, kings in the past conquering other cities. And looting and destroying cities down to the earth. Exactly. Na neighboring kings and threats were a big thing, right? Like, if you know that a Mongolian horde is coming towards you, or maybe not a Mongolian horde, they come pretty quickly. But if you know <laughs> that your, <laughs> if you know that your kingdom is at war with somebody else, right, and you know that they're planning to sack your city. You can migrate to another city and flee, and then in that way you're keeping your family safe, and you're also reducing the population of that city, right? So you have to understand that a city needs to have the security to maintain the city, and most cities did not have this, right? That's one of the advantages of empires, right? You'll notice that the cities who are around empires, those are the big cities. The smaller cities are the ones that have less protection, right? Or they're smaller empires. They get swallowed up by a big worm. Exactly. And I'm not going to go live somewhere that's more vulnerable. And other people didn't want to either. So people would always migrate to bigger cities to just to feel safe that, you know, these things will not happen to their city. But even with that being said, if that city that belongs to a big empire has been conquered by another following king, then you have to think about it because it's always still not guaranteed that you'll be safe so one of the one of the things that um we don't account for very often is citizenship mm. um one of the main issues with um a census from ancient times is who are you counting right we, we live in a patriarchal world right and it was more so a patriarchal world in the past than it is today and so when you're taking a census what are you taking a census of? Are you taking a census of all the citizens? What is defined as a citizen? Usually it's a man, right? A grown man. And so 
What are you accounting for women? Are you accounting for children? Are you accounting for slaves if you have them it's in your society? Very interesting uh, prospect that you brought out there, because in ancient world, slavery was a very normal thing. So, they every if if you take a population of Rome, for instance, a million people living there, a million people having slaves. So you think about it: a million people in a city, every single person owns a slave. Possibly. Possibly just a slave. I'm not saying just, I'm not just saying one slave. It, even a household can own three or four slaves, depending on how rich they are. But just a slave for each household. So you're going to add another million to that on top of that. Yeah, you could. Like, it could be potentially infinite. Let's say you're not including women and children. Exactly. Then that's half, half, the population that's half the population that you're discarding right there. Exactly. So the population could be significantly larger, right? Um, one of the examples that I remember, you were saying that in India, you don't know the exact population either? Yeah, so in today's world, uh, the perfect example is India, because there's so much of people, so many people living under the poverty line, that they don't have a record of their existence in the country. The record of them is not there in the government, so, so they don't take the whole census entirely for the whole country. For people who are only recorded in the government, they take, so... You might just now say just might say 1.2 billion, but there could be more. So this episode, like the last episode and the episode before that, <laughs> ran a little bit longer than we expected. So we divided it up into two parts for you. Uh, so we just finished up on talking about citizenship. And next time we're going to be talking about migration and how those issues could have limited population in ancient cities. And so we look forward to talking to you soon in part two on Way Behind the Times.